Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, I gotta know, what Christmas song gets stuck in your head the most? The last one I heard. <laughs> Which was? No, I don't know what the oh. last one I heard is, but... Whatever yeah, it is, they get stuck. They all stick in your head, don't they? They're very, yeah. they're very much. Yeah, they're pretty catchy. Yeah. Okay, mine is simply having oh, yeah. wonderful Christmas time. <laughs> da, da. I don't even know all the lyrics to that song, but as yeah. soon as you hear it, man, it's like in there and it's not coming out. And yeah. then I start saying, like if I'm walking around my house and my my family knows this happens, I just start making up lyrics to whatever song is in my head, and I just start singing everything. So it's like, Katie, why didn't you clean out the dishwasher like you were supposed to? Dan, I'm going downstairs to watch the hockey game. And they're like, stop it. It just happens. I get a, I get a, I get a melody in my head, and then yeah. that's how we roll. That's uh, a good one. Okay, Clayton? Uh, the, the one that's coming to mind right now is have a holly jolly Christmas. I feel like that gets the melody gets stuck in my head. But there's a line there that... I, I like always think about which is uh oh ho the mistletoe hung where you can see somebody waits uh for you kiss her once for me and i think what how, what what like era did this work in where like like my, if that i would be okay saying to someone like hey you know eric kiss deanne once for me i mean like there's nothing like i can't even say that as an example it feels awkward or someone says it to me and i'm like oh yeah that that's a thing I'm going to go tell Michelle, right? Like, I just don't... I Here, don't someone know. wanted me to kiss them for yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> like, hey, this, one, this one's okay, for my friend. Let's, and try, she'd be let's like, try it, okay? Because tonight is date night with me and Dee. So, <laughs> no, so, no. no, listen, when we're out on a date, I'm going to give Deanna a passionate kiss, and then I'm going to say, that's from Clayton. Oh, no! no and no, I'm going to no. see how she responds. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That, that was See? amazingly that, that, awkward. Yeah, it's super awkward. Wow. Okay. Do not understand, enjoy, and apply Christmas songs to your life. It will put you in, in dangerous places. Like the song that angrily demands Figgy Pudding now, figgy pudding. or we won't leave. It's, it's like, what, first of all, how good is Figgy Pudding that you're demanding it? And second of all, that is an angry, demanding it song. Is. It is. Oh, gosh. What about you, Nikki? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of... Um, the song that we, we do here at church, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Um, but specifically, like, I just, I think it's a beautiful, I think it's a, a beautiful story of the, of the, that's a song that tells the Christmas story. But I specifically love the version that Meredith Andrew does because they do, um, they add a bridge that talks about heaven. And it's just, it's just a beautiful song. So that's the one that gets stuck in my head. When I think about Christmas, that's the song that I put on first. So. All right. I feel right. I feel oh. indirectly rebuked by her answer. Oh, we, because we, it was Clay, so much Clay, better than yours. She's playing at a different level <laughs> she, than you. She I know. She is. Well, speaking of Christmas, Eric, do you yes. want to tell people about our Christmas Eve services? Oh, Christmas Eve services coming up at Christ Community Church. If you live in the area of one of our campuses, western suburbs of Chicago, you need to come and celebrate Christmas with us. Of course, Christmas Eve services on Christmas Eve, and some of our campuses have Christmas Eve services the day before Christmas Eve, and something you may not know prior pre-service to christmas eve services we're doing an egg hunt and after the christmas eve services there's a fireworks show so you don't want to miss christmas eve and if you don't believe me the only way to know if that's true is to come and experience it for yourself 
There you have it. All right, Clayton, what? I'm, I'm going to wear my costume and trick-or-treat here, too. Right. So, okay. <laughs> Clayton, what passage are we looking at? All right, at? we are in John chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 15. And let me give a little context for this. So this is uh, Jesus with his disciples. It is the last week of his life. In fact, it's the day before he is crucified, the evening before he's crucified. And he is having his final meal. Uh, with the disciples, the Last Supper, and he is giving an extended teaching on the things they need to know before he dies, before he returns to the Father, and so he is preparing them for that. And so he is talking to them about the things that they need to remember and the things that will happen when he goes. And so this is a, a little portion of that, but you've got to put yourself in the scene here of the disciples who are looking ahead here. They don't know exactly what you know Jesus is planning, but they can anticipate that something is about to happen. He's told them he's going to go away. And now they're, they've got to be feeling all sorts of feelings of, okay, how's this going to go? We've been following him. What does he mean by this? What's going to happen to us? And this is Jesus giving them uh, comfort and instruction that they need to know. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I am going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now... Before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. All right, let's move on to the O in comma, which is observations. What do you guys see in this passage? First thing I see is... Um, the the different names that that in which they they call the holy spirit so he's an advocate uh spirit of truth and then like you jump down and he says like he's like a teacher like he teaches um he reminds us um it's just it's really interesting to to kind of connect like these functions with the holy spirit like what he does an advocate is like a counselor you know someone who who gives counsel who helps who advises so it's it's kind of cool to see some functions attached to him yeah, and adding to that, the he will be with you, mm-hmm. and he will be in you. 
So Jesus is starting to color the picture for them of what it's going to look like after he leaves. I, I notice in addition to the Holy Spirit who gets the probably the most mentions here, Jesus also talks about the Father a lot. And so there there's definitely a all three members of the Trinity thing mm-hmm. going on here. And and even some of the things that are said um, aren't just a tell tell you about the Trinity thing. It's more describing what it's going to be like to be in fellowship, in communion, in connection with the Trinity. So, you know, Jesus says some things like, you know, um, I, I'm going to be with you, even though he's just said, I'm, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to send the Spirit. But then he says, but I'm going to be with you. Well, how is he going to be with you? Well, through his Spirit. Yeah. And then he says, my, fa- my Father and I, I'm in my Father and I'm in you, and we'll come and be with you. Like, there's all of this. It's hard to put all of it together, but the, all these different ways of saying there's going to be uh, uh, like a union together, like there is with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you're going to be a part of it because the Spirit's going to be in you. There's a, there's like, it's hard to tease out. Like your brain starts to say, okay, what, what's really going on here? But the, you step back, the overall picture is because of the Holy Spirit, we start to experience what it's like to be with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the communion of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Another observation I have is that several times it equates loving God with obeying the teaching of Jesus. I think it's interesting, too. So, like, in this passage, the context of it is that Jesus is comforting his disciples before he leaves. And he's saying, you know, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. And because of that, my peace is going to be with you. Like, don't worry. Like, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm leaving someone with you. And because of that, you can have peace. Um and I think that's I think that's really powerful because here you are, you have these disciples who have walked all these years with Jesus and they've waited for him. You know, he was the coming Messiah that they waited, they anticipated, and he's like they're probably thinking like, Well, why are you leaving us? You know, like we can't do this without you. And he's like, Well, you're not going to. I'm gonna be with you and here's how. So we can have that reassurance too, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes to be with us when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we're not alone. We're not navigating these things alone. Yeah, along those lines, I was struck by the line in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. Yeah. I think that I think there's something that catches the uh, emotion of it and the power of it and, and how, and how uh, dramatic it is. Without Jesus, we're like orphans. We're on our own. We have no one to, to provide for us, protect us, guide us. And yet he says, no, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You're not, you're not out there just figuring it out on your own. Another thing that sticks out to me, verse 30, where he says, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. Uh, The prince of this world, if you have an NIV study Bible, if that's a confusing uh, moniker for you, if you go to the study notes, it tells you the prince of this world is a reference to Satan. Uh, So Jesus is saying, all right, what Satan wants to do, he thinks he's going to win. Uh, but Satan is his his scheme is going to start unfolding. My time is coming to go to the cross. So it's a, it's a reference to the the work of Satan. I was struck by uh, verse twenty seven when Jesus says, um, "You know, my peace I give to you." He then follows it up by saying, "I do not give to you as the world gives." And I I think there's something about that line that is that rings really true when you have looked to things in the world. To say, I think I want this to provide peace for me. I want this to make me feel secure. I want this to make me feel confident. I want this to, you know, make it so that I don't have to worry. And you look at that, and if we're honest, those things always fail, um, or they're or they're or, or they're always a risk. Like they're they're always a risk that they're going to be taken away. 
And for Jesus to say, I do not give that way. I'm not giving to you in a way that is, who knows, maybe it's going to be there, maybe it's not. You know, you have it now, but it could go away. Or you better be good enough to get this. Or if you don't, if you don't, you know, kind of, uh, you know, merit this and work it, if you're not one of the better ones, you're not going to have the security. It's like, no, I don't give that way. I give you peace for sure, for real. It's as confident as me being here present with you now. Another thing that I noticed in 29, he says, I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. We keep seeing that pop up in the book of John where it's like Jesus is almost like, I'm doing this for the, for your benefit. I'm going to say it when it happens. You're gonna, it's going to cause you to believe even more. And I, I think it's a reminder that when we read God's word, what he says in his word is true. It comes to pass. That sound means it's time for your Christmas comma tip of the week. Are you still looking for a Christmas gift for a person you love? Have you ever thought about buying someone a Bible? NIV study Bibles are for sale at every Christ Community Church campus and pretty much wherever you buy books. And this has been your Christmas comma tip of the week. All right, let's go on to one of the M's in common. Let's talk about message here. So let's take an observation we made, and let's find a principle from that that we can apply to our lives. What what message did you get? My message is uh, the Holy Spirit is our teacher and counselor. All right, I get to my message through a back door. Ready? I'm about to. I'm going to work backwards on this one. When Jesus said, "I will not say much more." For the prince of this world is coming. Okay, Jesus knows how this whole thing is going to play out. He knows the reason for which his father sent him. And so if you work backwards from there, and Jesus is talking to them about, I'm going to go. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, the advocate. Then we, we know if Jesus, if the father sent Jesus, and Jesus knew how the whole plan was going to work itself out. He knew the cross was coming. He knew resurrection was coming. He, he knows all of that. And he's telling them, that part of this plan has always been that I go to send you the Holy Spirit, then we can know that the gift of the Holy Spirit has been a part of the plan from the very beginning. So for anybody who thinks like the Holy Spirit is the weird uncle of the Trinity, or you think, no, I think it would really just be better if, if Jesus was hanging out with me, not the Holy Spirit, you have to grapple with the fact that this has been the Trinitarian plan from the very beginning. Uh, My message picks up on this repeated uh, statement that links obedience and love together. And so what I say is this, don't separate love, obedience, and the Holy Spirit. You need all three of those things. So you can say, oh, I just love God, but then not have it be reflected in your behavior. Or you could work really hard to try to obey God, but not love him and grow bitter. And doing either of those things without the Holy Spirit is going to be impossible. That's where love and obedience comes from. It's from the power of the Spirit. So uh, keep those things together. Don't separate love, obedience, and the Holy Spirit. All right, for the next M in comma, this is meditation, and this is where we take a portion of Scripture and prayerfully ponder it, interact with God about it. So I'm going to read to you verse 23 here and give you about 45 seconds to prayerfully consider it. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them.
All right, let's talk about the A in comma, which is application. What do you do in response to this? So my message is the Holy Spirit is uh, our teacher and counselor. So my application, I remember when I was growing up, this was one of the passages that made the Holy Spirit like um, like real to me almost. Like I, it, it taught me, like I said, like what who he was and what he did. Uh, so like growing up, hearing about the Holy Spirit, I would remember in Genesis 1 where it said like the Spirit of God was hovering over, you know, the, the darkness or over the waters or whatever. And when I came across the Holy Spirit here talking about what he does and who he is, it reminded me and it taught me that he wasn't this mystical thing that just floats around. Like he was a per- a person of the Trinity. And it taught me that Jesus sent him to remind us of who he was and to teach us. So like we open up the, I remember opening up the Bible then as a kid and saying, Holy Spirit, I want you to teach me your word. Like help me to understand it. Help me to remember it. Um, he became real to me. This was the passage that made the Holy Spirit real to me. So that's that's my application is he's not this mystical thing. He is a real person of the Trinity. He is there to teach you and to remind you and to counsel you. And so ask him to help you understand and to remember God's word. All right. Let me piggyback on that one, because my my message is that the Holy Spirit coming has been a part of the plan from the beginning. So piggybacking off of Nikki's comments it's a good question to ask how you relate to the person of the Holy Spirit. Just like we would naturally say, how do I relate to God as my father? How do I relate to Jesus as my Lord and Savior? How do I relate to the counseling advocate work of the Holy Spirit in my life? Um, and so one, one suggestion I will give is on Right Now Media, uh, which you can gain free access to through our church if you go to the website, uh, one of the studies on there, it's been around, gosh, I think probably 15, 20 years now, but it's Francis Chan's Forgotten God. Uh, of all of the writings and different teachings you can hear on the person and work of the Holy Spirit, that's a good place to start if you're completely unfamiliar with the person and work of the Holy Spirit, because Francis Chan does a good job of just walking you through the New Testament and saying, look how obvious this is. It's not as mystical and weird as you think it is. Uh, and the premise of his teaching is you should not even imagine the Christian life without considering the fact that the Holy Spirit is a big part of it. So my message is that you shouldn't separate love, obedience, and the Holy Spirit. And so this is similar to what uh, Nikki said of talking. You say, hey, teach me. Um, this is sort of uh, an additional step to that. When you're reading Scripture, um, you want to ask for the power to do the things. So when you see a command, you don't just want to say, okay, I'm going to go do it. You want to say, no, this, this needs to come from the heart, from a love for God, and it needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to give me the love and the obedience to do this. When you see something that draws your affection to God, you say, all right, God, like stir this up in me. I, I know that on my own strength, I can't love you the way I should and help it li- you know, work out my life. It's, it's all of those things together. You don't want to just um, sort of say, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do and go off and do it or just appreciate something and not, not invite the Holy Spirit to say, so what should I do about this? Yeah, it's really good. All right. Well, there you have it, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start today. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.